morning. Well, I have to tell you, before I start the sermon, a little, it's sort of funny. Maybe you'll have to decide. So last Saturday night, as I was drifting off to sleep, I got a call from one of our tenants in our house in Spokane that her ceiling was pouring water into her bedroom. And I said, go turn off the main water switch. And I told her where it was. And she's great. She's a nurse, ER nurse. So she did. And then I said, call the emergency number of the property manager. (laughs) So anyway, I flew up to Spokane Thursday night to deal with uh, property managers and insurance companies and so on. So I got back yesterday praying that this snowfall would not uh, start yesterday afternoon right at DIA. And God answered my prayer. So it's good to be here. Well, let's, uh, our Old Testament reading is going to be on the slides, and it's from Deuteronomy chapter 26. Hear the word of the Lord. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Let's pray together. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So what on earth does Israel's story summarized here by Moses near the end of Deuteronomy, have to do with Lent. I don't know, but this is the appointed Old Testament passage in the lectionary for the first Sunday of Lent, year C, 2022. 
So I picked it. Today we are beginning or continuing uh, our annual journey with Christ. We began it on Ash Wednesday and it will continue for 40 days altogether as we walk with Jesus through his temptation in the, in the wilderness, as we walk with the Israelites in the wilderness, and as we end this journey in Holy Week. And remember Christ's suffering and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. Now we're not standing at the edge of the Jordan about to take possession of the promised land. We're standing on the other side of the cross and the empty tomb. So how do we read Deuteronomy in light of the finished work of Christ? Well, like all good preachers, Moses knew how important it is to end your sermon with a story, and I'll try to do that today. But after multiple chapters, and you can read Deuteronomy, it's a good book if you start at the beginning to help you nod off at night, um, because it's a long list of what seems like do this and don't do that. But here, Moses is at the climactic end of his farewell sermon to Israel, and this has deep emotion and story and power, and I hope that will come through today. The people of God are at the last stop. They've been wandering through the wilderness, and they are about to enter a land of milk and honey. And Moses has been carefully teaching them that the Torah is so vital as they enter this place that they do not turn from the right to the left, but allow the Torah to shape their lives as it did in the desert, and to cement this not just in their mind, but in their hearts. He tells them a story, a reminder of how far they have come, a story that is at the very center of their existence as a covenant people. And it's a story embedded in the ritual that they are covenant bound to perform each year when they are settled in the land. Now, most scholars think that Moses' sermon in Deuteronomy was carefully passed down from parent to child using what's called oral tradition. This would have been a reverential uh, process in those early years with an elder of the tribe reciting from memory the words of Moses each year on the Feast of Booths. But the people, even though at some point these, this sermon was written down and became part of the Torah, the people drifted away from God. King after king, we read that the king and the people did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then King Josiah ascended to the throne. Here's a depiction of what he might have looked like I think he probably had darker skin. It was the Middle East. But anyway, you get the idea. King Josiah was different. He ascended to the throne at the age of eight. And his mother probably served as regent for those early years. You can read the whole story of Josiah in 2 Kings 22 and 23. But it says that Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord 
and walked in the ways of David, his father. One day, 18 years into his reign, Josiah learned from Shaphan, his secretary, that Hilkah the high priest had discovered a book during the rebuilding of the house of the Lord. What was in that book? It was the Torah, the five books of Moses. And Josiah read the book cover to cover. And when he had finished, he tore his garments. He repented. He repented not because he had done wrong, although he knew himself to be a sinner, but he knew the history of his ancestors, how they had sinned against God. He repented that the king after king and the people following the kings had fallen into sins like self-reliance, fatalism, and cynicism in the face of all of the hostile human powers around them. They had begun to worship the gods and goddesses of their neighboring nations. So Josiah consulted Huldah, the prophetess. He learned from her that God's judgment was going to come on the people. And Josiah was moved to lead the people in a time of repentance and restoration, of renewal. You could call it a mini-revival. They began to tear down the idols and the temples. They began to celebrate Passover again. But Josiah did so much more than restore the people to the law of Moses. He reminded them of their story, of their salvation, of the Passover of God. All right, let's go back now to Moses. Moses does not include the giving of the Torah or the creation of the world or even the calling of Abraham in his sermon. He begins by talking about the journey of Jacob, who went down. There's Jacob at the well, who went down into Egypt with a few people. It's the story of a journey, the journey of a man with no land. Jacob is called a wandering Aramean, a man who went into the land which became a land of bondage. But after being delivered by the Lord our God, the new nation journeyed to the land that God had sworn to our forefathers to give us. And when the people arrive in that land, they are called to remember how they got there and to give a special offering to the Lord and celebrate their inheritance. This, it, these are our people. This is our story too. And when we think of all the ways that we have received God's generous bounty in our lives, a good summary is from our text from last fall, from 1 Peter 1, verse 4, which calls us to praise God for, quote, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Our inheritance, as we've been reminded in our series, All Things New, is ultimately the new heavens and the new earth, the home of righteousness, 2 Peter 3.13. And with its constant focus on the land, Moses' sermon 
helps us focus our gratitude, our joy, on the promised land that we are waiting for, that new heavens and new earth. For Israel, the final destination was the land that the Lord had sworn to our forefathers to give us. But for us, it is that new heavens and new earth. That's a great way to begin our Lenten celebration, to remind us that Jesus did not come to redeem us from the earth, but to redeem us for a renewed earth. But back to Deuteronomy. Throughout this, these 11 verses of Deuteronomy, there's one word that is repeated five times. It is the Hebrew word natan. It means literally to give or to put or to set. It's used in Deuteronomy to talk about how the Lord is a God who gives generously to his people. He gave them the land. And despite the battles of conquest that Israel engaged in, God wanted to remind him that they did not conquer it. It was given to them as a gift. That is a major theme in the story of Israel as Moses rehearses it. And it's our story too. Everything we have is a gift. We did not accomplish our salvation. It was done with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. All the good things that we have, the Lord has given to us and our families and our households. And nothing we can do can change God's generous proclivity towards his people. Moses tells us that it was never about keeping the law as an end in itself. It was about helping the people, reminding them of the goodness, of the grace, of the generosity, of God's givingness. By faith alone, we are saved. Now, it doesn't take a Bible scholar to see Israel's sins reproduced in our world and in our lives today. Just like Israel, all of us tend to slip into self-reliance. It's so easy to become fatalistic or cynical as we are overwhelmed by the trials of life in a fallen world. It's easy to feel meaningless in the cosmic vastness of the universe. And all of us have been seduced by the many temptations of our culture. Lent is the time each year when we are challenged to repent, not to feel sorrowful as an end in itself, but to be reminded that God has our back, that he is with us, that he has a plan that involves a land, a new heaven, a new earth. You know, this is the only hope right now in the pulpits and the churches of Ukraine. They do not know if they will survive this and live another day. They do not know what will happen to their nation. 
but they know this story. It's their story too. Lent is the time each year where we are challenged to, to repent, which literally means to turn from one direction and to go in the other. But what we're turning toward is the God who is the giver, the lover, the generous God. Lent is a time certainly of repentance, but by the sheer grace of God, we realize that our sorrow over our sin is always overcome by the joy of what God has done for us. And notice how the people's joy is expressed in Deuteronomy 26. It's not like the joy that we experience on, say, a New Year's Eve. It's a deep joy, a joy that propels them to give an offering of their first and best to God as an acknowledgement of that everything they had came from God. Verse 10, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given to me. Moses reminds them we cannot truly rejoice until we remember how we got here on our journey. What God is looking for in each of us is a deep gratitude that leads to wholeheartedness and joyful obedience in our lives of faith. He knows that most of us are not farmers, like all of the people were back then. We can't bring our literal first fruits, but we can give the very best of what God has so generously given to us and lay it before God as an offering. It's interesting that in this text, if you continue to read in it, or if you read its parallel passage in Deuteronomy 16, and rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants. It goes on to say, Share what you have with the aliens and the Levites. Godly joy spills over in generosity to those who don't have as much, who are in the land with us but haven't been blessed in the way we have. Well, all of that is quite theoretical. And I want to tell a couple of stories that illustrate it for me. I wish you could meet my friend, Larry. I've known Larry for over 40 years. He's 83 or 84 now, I can't remember. He is an attorney working in a large law firm and a reserve elder at his eco-church. In Larry's career, he has been extraordinarily blessed by God materially. Long ago, though, Larry and Sue made a decision that they would give away the first 35% of all of their income to the church, to the seminary that trained their pastors, to the campus ministry that led them to faith in college, and to so many other things that I can't keep track whenever Larry and I get together. That adds up. Over a lifetime of giving, they have given away millions of dollars. 
And Larry wants to give away more whenever I see him. He met with his financial advisor recently, and, he, and the financial advisor said, well, uh, Larry, you know you, you're 84 now, and you need to start thinking about uh, what you're going to do with these resources. And their two daughters were with them, and they had a wonderful conversation where the daughter said, Dad, you are having so much fun giving away this money, and we don't need it. One of them works for Google. Um, <laughs> just keep doing it while you're alive. And so Larry found a bunch of new things to give money to. He's the most joyful person I know. Whenever I see him and he tells me what's happening in his life, and he's praying for you right now, I know that, we start to cry, tears of joy. The last lunch I had with him, he told me that Several years ago, he met with the managing partner at his law firm. And Larry told him, I want to retire when I turn 80. And this managing partner said, you can't retire. You are doing so much good for our community. All you have to do is pro bono work for as long as you want. You don't have to bring in a single billable hour. Just keep doing what you're doing. And so Larry went like this, oh boy, like a kid in a candy shop. Last year, Larry got a case. 13 African-American churches had, under their bishop's malfeasance, lost the deeds to their property. The bishop had transferred all of the deeds into a dummy corporation and then taken the money and spent it on himself. They were facing foreclosure. But Larry would not allow this. And you can read about this in the San Jose Mercury News. So he went to the managing partner. Managing partner said, let's put our best bankruptcy attorney in New York on the case. And for the last 13 months, they worked hard in federal court. In January, the judge ruled that it was a fraudulent scheme and all of those churches received their deeds back to their properties. Larry told me when he started this, the firm had just put Black Lives Matter on their website, and he said, great, black churches matter, and that's how this happened. The fruit of Larry's ministry as an elder, as a layperson, as someone deeply blessed by God is beyond imagining. But he would tell you it all started with a deep sense of gratitude for his salvation, for this incredible gift of God. It all started by taking Moses' sermon into his heart. Well, remember when Jim Candy was here last month? Please watch his sermon on our website if you haven't seen it yet. Jim was the middle school director here for many years, and he came back and told his own story of experiencing the joy of salvation through the ministry of this congregation. He reminded you, Grace Commons, of how your love and generosity, your investment in this ministry, had eternal significance for him. And it spilled out. His joy of salvation brought joy 
to countless middle school students and their families, and many others since Jim has left and gone on to ministry in other places. You invested in a ministry here in downtown Boulder that brought Jim Candy to faith. And that's just one story. God's story of redemption, of salvation, continues every day in our ministry. And so in conclusion, there's one more story from this year that we can watch on video.